this morning, rather than a preach as such, I want to just take a moment to share where we are as a family to kind of put us on the same page, um, just uh, and to communicate some information um, so that as a family, we kind of know where we are together. We haven't done this for a while, so it's a bit of a gear shift, but I hope it serves us. Um, so I'm going to pray if that's all right, just as we get going, because what I don't want is just a morning of some information, but I want God to come and cause our hearts to swell with love for him and his kingdom and for one another and for the mission that he has us on as his followers together. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have been invited into your family. We, we want to say thank you that you've purchased us by giving us your son as a ransom who purchased us from our sin and rebellion and the state of death that hung over us. And he's won us into life eternal. Life with you, O oh God. New life full of spirit and truth and joy and freedom and hope. And so we pray as we just take these moments to share. I pray that your spirit may come full afresh. Spirit of God, come fall afresh on me. Come fall afresh on us this morning. That we may know the hope and the joy to which we've been called. That we may be renewed in our love to you and one another, we pray. So come, Holy Spirit. Fall afresh on us. Speak to us this morning, each one of us. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. It doesn't take uh, very much to recognize that there's been some huge cultural shifts that are going on at the moment. We are standing in uh, days of change, at not just uh, a personal level in our lives and community as we kind of rebuild from COVID, but nationally we see that played out in all kinds of ways, cost of, cost, all kinds of ways, cost of living, um, the government crisis that's going on at the moment. We see that at a level of Europe with war and power supplies. We see that at an international level with uh, people reacting and seeking to bring change into uh, their country, their culture, the dynamics. We were praying, what a privilege to pray uh, um, on Hammy's baptism the other week, to pray for the nation of Iran. And we see disruption of all different kinds taking place in different nations. And for... The nation of Iran, it looks different to what's going on here and across other nations, there's vast change and vast differences taking place at the moment. And I think our, dis our, our disruption that we often feel as people, just individually and in our families, is one of uh, comfort ebbing away, a sense of uncertainty beginning to creep in, uh, particularly at an, at an at a personal level, we can feel those things. But also, isn't it interesting, we begin to feel that as a nation, that, that national sense of where are we, what's going on, what's the answer to some of what we're facing. And it's interesting also that crises often uh, act like a domino situation. So you have one thing that happens, and it, a domino falls over, pandemic, doosh, and it knocks the next, next one on, cost of living, doosh, war, doosh, power, doosh, and... That often happens with crises in society. 
that are bigger than any one individual. You often find, um, when you, when, in just reading around these things, that that's often to be expected in moments where something happens like a pandemic, that one precedes the other. And it, and it builds this sense, doesn't it, of just what is happening right now? Where do we go? What do we do? And we, as individuals, everybody has to kind of say, well, where's my hope in that? And thank God that our hope as Christians is not in our government or the financial sector or even peace from war. Our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. In Christ crucified, in Christ victorious, risen from the grave, in Christ reigning and ruling at the Father's hand right now. That is our hope as Christians. And so we have a, what a foundation to stand on in life. A solid rock called Jesus Christ. And many people don't have that rock, and we know that. Many people are stood right now on shifting sand, and boy, is it shifting. And what a scary place to stand as you seek to answer that question. And towns and nations and continents and nations that group together for different purposes, and even as globally, we have to say, well, how do we begin to answer some of these questions? Where's our hope? What are we looking for? And there is this kind of collective cry, I think, of kind of like, save us. But people don't even know, well, we can't shout, save us, God, because in the West, we've said God doesn't exist anymore, and we've proven it with science. And we, we end up in this stuck situation nationally, and in the West in particular, where we don't know where to turn to in these moments. And by and large, people are hoping that somebody, there's somebody we can trust in. There's somebody who will have the answer. That something somewhere will just get better because it has to because we're all about comfort and the nice things in life. And yet we discover that those things are very, very fragile things. And for many of us, I'm pointing to myself here, we've pursued them with our lives at times. And right now we see them for what they are. And so we also have a learning moment in these times. Nigel and I had the privilege on Friday of sitting with um, Robert Buckland and uh, some of the, uh, a couple of the leaders from in the local council and with some other church leaders to talk about how do we seek to work together to serve this town with this cost of living crisis and the looming size and scale of it that we want to say, we want to, you're serving our town and we're thankful for that, but we also want to serve the needs of our town as a church in this town and we love the town and we want to serve it and we want to find ways that we can partner together intentionally to serve our town together. And it was interesting that the lady Helena, she was just giving an overview of um, how the council are beginning to think um, in, in response to the cost of living crisis. And she said, we had a whole load of learning that happened through the pandemic that we're now able to begin to deploy in this new cost of living crisis that is here and emerging and is growing. And so there was a season of learning and a season where they're able to act quickly and decisively to serve the town and to serve some of the most vulnerable in the town. And it was just a privilege, by the way, to sit together. And, and as Nigel said, you don't just see somebody's name on the end of an email, but to actually sit face to face and say, oh, that's great to hear your heart. And it's great to hear our heart and to share that together and say, we're about the same thing in terms of seeking the blessing of this place. Let's see how we can work together. Um, but she said we had a season of learning in the pandemic. And, I, and as she said that, it really struck me that as a church, we too had a season of learning 
in the pandemic, much of what was important to us suddenly becomes uh, impossible to get to because we are not allowed to meet together. Our gatherings are suddenly stopped, not because we just saw, oh, let's not do them anymore, but because we're not allowed to. And I, I don't know if you saw any of those amazing photos over the summer that when there's drought seasons, um, suddenly lakes begin to, what do the lakes do? They go down. Oh, what's the technical term? Dry up? They dry up. Thank you. Al, that was his old world. Um, lakes dry up, apparently. And, and suddenly you, you discover old foot, um, foundations of houses or old boats or something that used to be there. Or other times you see like Lydiard Park and in, in the drought you suddenly see these um, dry patches of grass that appear. And it's where there would have once been footings and foundations and that kind of thing and the surface water can no longer penetrate to the surface to keep the grass green as it's kind of saying, it's not raining, where do we draw water from? And you get these dry patches that show you the shapes of buildings or previous um, plantings and that kind of thing. And those hard times, those barren times, those dry times kind of reveal what, what is missing, the quality of what's there, and what things used to be like. And I think for us, through the pandemic, we had a whole season of learning. We learned. We learned that, yes, gatherings are important. They really are that God's people gather together to worship him and to encourage one another in life and faith and to stand with each other and support each other eat together, to break bread together, to read scripture and pray together. That's important. But we learned that probably we put too much of our emphasis as a church, and not just us, in fact, I would say the church in the West, because that's the context we're in and what we know. We've put too much of our energy and emphasis into our gatherings when there's a world that was always, always full of pain. It's not that the world's has suddenly learned we don't know who to cry out to for hope. The world has never known who to cry out to for hope. It's always, there's always been pain and sorrow and suffering. And in the West, it's often been masked by comfort. And we learned that actually what we want to do as a church is we want to mobilize ourselves, not to say, hey, everybody, come on a Sunday and be busy serving and be busy making Sunday church work. Although that's important as a family, and I'll come back to that in a moment. But we, but we began to realize that actually our job as leaders and our job as a church together is to, build, to gather together, absolutely, but to build one another up so that we can go out to the places where God has placed us. Full of the Holy Spirit, full of courage, full of confidence that God, I am a follower of Jesus. He is with me. My life is being shaped by him. I've given my life to him. I've laid down my life, as we saw with... Hammy and Tanaka's baptism the other week. I've laid my life down. I've died to my old self. And now the life I live, I live for Christ. And we've, and we've, and we've realized, actually, we want to do a much better job. One of, the, one of the challenges for us in this church, and again, the church in the West, is that we haven't been skillful and diligent in the area of disciple making. We've sought to gather for the purpose of gathering and church in a box, if you like. And we've recognized there's a big need. And this isn't just us. Uh, this is right across the Western world. There's a big need and a renewal for a call to be disciples of Jesus, followers of him, intentionally pursuing him. And so there's a, there's a dynamic at play right now as we 
as we reemerge into this normal, new normal of confusion and uncertainty, as we seek to rebuild and we say, what does that look like? And it turns out rebuilding isn't simple. It's not quick. It's complicated. It's confusing. That reflects family, doesn't it? Families are often complicated and confusing places. But we've realized that actually one of the things that has been unearthed in this barren time of um, the pandemic and now latterly this cost of living crisis and this sense of, gosh, this isn't life as we used to know it, is actually in a lot of us as followers of Jesus is a deep-seated apathy in our walk with him. A sense of, yeah, yeah, I'll go to church. Uh, sometimes, if it works. I'll, I'll, seek to, I'll seek to be a Christian at church, uh, in my workplace or in my college, but it's tough and I'm not re- it doesn't really work there that well, so I, maybe I just keep my faith a bit more private these days. Catherine, great encouragement, by the way, um, wherever you are, just to say, no, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for my neighbor. I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to be confident to do that. And I recognize different people have different giftings and that, but God has called us not to have a, 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 a walk of apathy with him, but to be in step with his spirit. And I, I really firmly believe this. We, we had a, a, a good news for Swindon. It's a relational network of churches we have the privilege of being part of. And a couple of weeks back, we gathered with Bible Society and they served a whole group of leaders from across the town by engaging with this uh, area of discipleship and saying, what does it look like and how do we begin to pursue that? And, and one of the things that came out, they, they kind of did this, um, not texting, but uh, put your answer on your phone and it shows up on the screen as a heat map of popular words. One of the words that came up as most, uh, as the biggest word, that the, the main word that came through the morning as we were talking about discipleship was this word desire. That the answer to apathy isn't to work harder, and it's not to just get more busy. Busyness doesn't work. That was one of the things. I, I really believe that. We learned through the pandemic that busyness is not the answer. And busyness can't be the answer to apathy because else we'll end up back where we were. And in fact, we've got to learn new ways and new rhythms to follow Jesus that don't lead us to busyness, but lead us to walk with him. With the joy and ease of following Jesus and sure the cost of it too. But the answer that came was at the end of the morning when, when the Bible society said, right, everybody type the word that came through most this morning that God's called your heart, heart with was the word desire. That actually as disciples of Jesus, as followers of him, not just churchgoers, but people, men and women, young and old, from different cultural contexts, different backgrounds, different walks of life, we're saying I follow you, Jesus. The answer to the apathy that's at work among so many of us is actually a renewed desire. A desire for the king and his kingdom. A desire to love one another and serve one another. And so in this moment that we're in, when the world is going, yikes, and it's hoping that the systems stand up to this storm, the financial systems, it's hoping that governments can do a good enough job to make sure fuel comes in for this winter that's now looming in front of us. It's hoping that governments can find the wisdom to prevent serious global conflict. It's hoping that people can um, stand up against corrupt governments and systems where people are oppressed around the world. Into this background of what's going on, Jesus says, 
My answer to this is the church who are on fire for Jesus, is the church who are committed to one another, is the church who in the midst of all of these things going on saying, actually, we're going to sit down and enjoy a meal together. That's such a good thing to do. Not just to get busy, but say, actually, part of this is we just sit across the table and we have fun and we laugh and we get to know one another as a family. And Jesus says the answer to these things is not that we have the answer to all of these global issues right now, but that where we are, Jesus said, we are a shining light, a beacon of hope. We're salt that preserves the society around us. And we're saying, actually, there is an answer to these issues, and it looks like faithfulness to God. It looks like Jesus' way, following him. He's the one who can walk through any storm of life and navigate it so well. He doesn't need our help in that. In fact, he says, I'll help you walk with me. Follow me. I'll show you the way to live. Faithful citizens of his kingdom in a world of hopelessness. And if we're going to do that, church, we need a renewed desire. Because the the opportunity is huge and the need is huge. There's exciting conversations. As Nigel said about how do we open this space to be meaningfully a place of saying to people, you're so welcome. You're so welcome and we want to serve you and love you and welcome you. And for some of you, you say, "That's I would love to be a part of that. I'd love to make that happen. I'd love to, to just be a host in this building as people are coming in, just to welcome them and give them something to eat and something to drink and say, what do you need? Do you need the internet? Do you need whatever? Do you need to talk? Do you need, is there anything else you need? Some of you just love making tea and coffee. But it looks like Stepping up, start with, and deciding, Jesus, my desire in this moment is to follow you. And so maybe for some of us, there's a moment of kind of saying, actually, what has this storm of this last season, the, the dryness, the barrenness revealed of my faith and my walk with Jesus personally? Am I really following Jesus? Or have I just got this kind of skeletal um, idea of what it means to follow Jesus in life? That the pandemic and this barren season has just revealed what used to be there, what once was. And so my first thing to you this morning is to follow Jesus, to walk with him, to desire him afresh and his kingdom in your life. And this opportunity we have is huge. It's so huge. We're having conversations right now about CAP, Christians Against Poverty, and the need for that in the town is more than ever, yet it's at a moment where the, the last iteration of it um, was the guy, Jeff, uh, who's at Rawton, leads the church in Rawton, Discovery Church, has served it faithfully for many years, but he's now retiring, and it's come to the end of its life. But among us, again, as churches, we're saying, actually, we want to find a way of saying we want to keep this thing alive and actually invest in it intentionally. The town needs this more than ever. And some of you will have gifts and passions and skills around finance and serving the town in that way. And again, just if that's you, come and speak to Nigel and say, that's a passion of mine. Some of you say, actually, I don't have the skills, but I believe in that because that was my story. And I want to invest into that financially to make that happen. There's huge opportunity and absolutely there's huge challenges. And as I was thinking about this, I just had the picture of Joshua and Caleb as they were sent to spy out the land. And just that simple picture of some people saw walls and opposition and giants And yet Joshua and Caleb saw fruit in abundance, milk and honey. 
and their eyes of faith. I think, I think they were guys who carried faith deep in them because they walked with God faithfully. And at a moment of opportunity and challenge like we're in now, the Spirit breathed on them and said, come on, I want you to see life like this. And it wasn't just, oh yeah, now we better get busy. I think their hearts were, we can do this because God is with us. God will enable us to do this. Just again, thinking about Elisha when he was, um, you know, almost fa- certainly facing doom and his servants like, how are we going to do this? We're, we're doomed, we're doomed. And Elisha's prayer, Lord, open the eyes of my servant that he may see. And God opens the eyes, doesn't he? And, and he sees that, that they were surrounded. The servant sees that they were surrounded by chariots and horsemen, heavenly armies. We are well-resourced and well-equipped well for this moment, church, because we have a faithful God. We have a faithful God who, who has made a way in Christ for the people of this town, for the people of this nation and the nations of the world to find hope in him and in his goodness. So just quickly, I want to just uh, say, so where are we on these things then? Because there's some, there's some essentials of local church that are, should be kind of nuts and bolts for us, bread and butter thinking, that we make disciples. Not just that we try and make Sundays work, but that we make disciples, that we call one another to follow Jesus with faithfulness and fidelity. And that we seek to learn to do that. That we're making community work and function in the best way that we can. Meeting one another's needs. Standing with one another. Investing with one another. Saying, I'll I'll do all I can to bring what I have to serve the needs of this church family. Because the Bible instructs us, doesn't it? Seek to do good to everyone, but especially to those in the household of God. And so there's a lot of need out there, but there's a lot of need in this family too. And we have the need of making leaders. It's one of the things for us as a church family that we deeply carry, that we know God has called us to for many, many years, is that, yes, we want to build a local church where we love one another, where we serve one another, where people are well cared for and encouraged and equipped. But we also know that God has called us to give ourselves outside of this family, beyond this family, whether that's to Swindon and to relationships and encouraging and supporting and strengthening other churches in this town. A whole load of Nigel's time in particular is giving to doing that and initiatives and projects to serve the needs of this town. Again, that's a big part of Nigel's time. And we've, we kind of carry these two things of, yes, we want to serve Gateway as a local church family, but also we want to serve beyond us because that is where God is sending us. And not just even Swindon, but to the nations of the world. And so we, want to, we need more leaders to do that. We need more leaders to help us do that work. We need to raise leaders who say, we're giving ourselves heart and soul to all that God is doing here. And it looks like for all of us, committing to community, to, to, community, to saying, not, not simply, I'll rock up on a Sunday, but this is my family I'm going to see and worship God with. It looks like we have joy when we gather together and we're embracing one another and interested in one another's lives. That we make time to eat and share with one another. It looks like as a church family that we are committed to one another and to this 
town and to seeing God's kingdom come in all kinds of ways, whether that's giving time and skills and serving, as we saw done so well last week with the meal. Just on that, it looks like giving of our finances. And you know that Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. And in a moment of uncertainty, many people's questions will be, have I got enough? I hope my pension's going to hold up. I hope my investments stand this test. I know that's not everybody's thinking. Some people will be, what am I going to do at the end of this month? To pay the bills. But Jesus invites us to give as God has given. To give generously, full of faith. And I hope that you, I hope that it's kind of become obvious that since the pandemic, one of the things we decided as a team is we don't want to put the offering baskets out week by week, as we used to do. You remember that moment? The offering baskets went round. Um, we're taking up an offering. And we made a decision, actually, we don't want to do that anymore. We don't feel that's the way we need to do this. We want to be followers of Jesus first, committed to family. And then part of our being disciples of Jesus is giving of our finances in all kinds of ways and yes to the local church to help this family fulfill what God has called us to do. And the reality is right now that, you know, this isn't a talk on finances. I just want to drop this in. We made that decision. We don't just want to go, come on, everybody, bit of money, please. Week in, week out. But the reality is finances, as they are for everyone and everywhere, are challenging. And I just want to say another step of following Jesus. Yes, desire him. Say, God, what's the shape of my faith like right now? But also, again, where are finances at for you right now in terms of giving and trusting God with finance? In terms of saying, I'm not going to walk to the beat of this uh, this cultural moment of hoard, hoard, hoard. I want to walk to the beat of generosity, of God's generosity in this moment. I just want to invite you to consider where, how are you giving? What does that look like? And are you, in that aspect, in that respect, committed to this family? We'll talk more about finances and that. Um, later in the year, particularly in terms of just, you know, the Bible gives us real wisdom in these moments to when things are uncertain, how we walk, how we use our finances, how we steward well as God's people. We're wanting to love and serve one another. We're wanting to serve beyond gateway. And that looks like our relationships with Good News for Swindon, wanting to grow that, wanting to see more churches run together, seeing God's kingdom come here uh, with our wider family of churches, regions beyond, saying, God, you've called us to the nations and unreached people groups and wanting to carry a passion to see that happen. And we are convinced that actually our togetherness with other Christians, with other churches, is an essential uh, aspect of the gospel. It calls us to run together. That we have to give ourselves. It's not just, we can't just be interested in the needs of this family. As a family here, we have to be interested in the needs of others. It's essential for the mission of Jesus. It's essential for his kingdom coming. It's what Jesus prayed for in John 17. And I guess one of the things that I want to put in front of us is where are we right now? Who are we wanting to be and grow in the days ahead? Is that we are wanting to learn discipleship anew. We're wanting to learn how do we walk with Jesus faithfully every day of our life. Not just rock up on a Sunday, 
but to say, no, I'm a, I'm, I'm a follower of him. In my workplace, at school, in college, every day of the week, that we orientate our lives to following Jesus and allowing him to transform us. That we grow in becoming more Christ-like. That we are actually growing as followers of Jesus. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at my life and I think, am I actually growing as a follower of Jesus? Am I stuck with some of the thinking before I was a follower of Jesus? Am I stuck with habits that were my old self? And actually, Jesus calls me to form new habits to follow him. Well, in this new season, we want to give ourselves to grow in that, to call one another on, to learn to do that. What does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus here in Swindon today? That joy is among us and that as people would start to say, they're God's people. They might think we're weird, but what a privilege to be called God's people. And that we'd stand out to the world around us. That we'd learn each one of us to fulfill our call on who God has called you to be, where he's placed you to be, what it looks like for you to be a shining star, a bit of salt in the place that God has placed you, day in, day out, in your family, in your workplace. That we'd help equip one another to stand faithfully, to glorify God in that place. Because that's what the church actually exists for. The church doesn't exist to say, come on, as many people here as possible on a Sunday morning, and then we've done a good job. It doesn't exist for that. The church exists to say, let's mobilize one another to go and live lives of faithfulness to Jesus in the world out there that is dying and hurting and needs the good news that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That he is the faithful rock. And there's a cost to living like that. But it is so worth it. So we're a large family. So where do you start? How do you start? Because let's face it, some of us don't like change. Some of us like to say, I'm very comfortable. You are not budging me from this seat. I have no interest in moving on. Well, it's going to become uncomfortable. Just want to put it out there. Where do you start? I think through the pandemic again, God has shown us where we need to start. As a team, and not just for us, as others as we've been praying, we got to the point where we, we realized that God was saying to us, you need to start with young people in Gateway, young adults, the teenagers, the children. Not to the cost of everybody else, because honestly, follow Jesus. Honestly, find somebody, walk with them and say, come on, let's encourage each other in God. It doesn't mean nobody else, but we know that God is saying, now it's time to invest in the young people. And so for a few minutes, I'd love Al um, to come and just share a bit of that journey. Um, go for it, Al. Have you got a mic? Hello. Here's my premise and my excitement. God is on the move with young people in this family. And it may be hidden, you may not see it, you may be thinking, where and how? But I can tell you, having been involved with serving young people and increasingly now kind of students in 20s, for you know, young people for the last 13 or 14 years, God is doing something new and fresh that is exciting to witness and be a part of. And I want to call us and say, we have the privilege of turning shoots of life into oaks of righteousness. 
That is the call for us as a church family, that there are right now shoots of life emerging among young people and young adults and students and 20s in this church. Someone clap. Fantastic. Keep going. Like, that is the truth of what's happening, that God is taking shoots of life. And our role as a church is just to, is to make space and room to grow and to hold the ceiling up really high and say, we want to make space for you to grow, that you would become oaks of righteousness, as Isaiah 61 says. Amen. This is what is happening, and I have the privilege, I guess, day in, day out, of seeing some of these shoots of life and some of the signs of life that are happening. Let me just give you a couple of examples, and then I'm going to invite Tanaka to come up, and we're going to do a little two- or three-minute interview, um, just as a kind of example of what God is doing. We went away to New Day this year. As many of you all know, New Day is a summer camp that we've been going to since, I don't know, 2004. I think I've been going since 2008, on and off, so um, I've got a lot more grey hairs than when I first started. And New Day for so, for so long, it kind of comes as a bit of a flash in the pan. It's kind of like youth bumbles along, and then New Day happens, and everyone gets really hyped up and excited, and then it kind of bumbles along again. But God did something. This is the word I felt God said to me earlier in the year after we came out from New Day. God did something of substance with our young people. Something that actually is translated beyond a moment of encountering God in a field in Norfolk to actually questions about discipleship and leadership. And what does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus as I go back to school or college? What does it really mean to give myself to serving other people? We're starting to see young leaders serving into youth. We're starting to see teenagers start to set the example to younger teenagers. And the question some of them are asking is, how do I grow as a follower of Jesus? And what a great question to be asking, and what a privilege that we just kind of get to go, we just want to be faithful stewards and, and sort of show you a bit about the way of Jesus and say, yep, this way, let's, let's show you what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The questions that Colin has just been talking about, how do we grow as disciples of Jesus? This is exactly the questions that our young people are asking. Not how do we make church work, how do I be a follower of Jesus in the real world? How, what does it look like when I go to school and college tomorrow? So New Day has just been this amazing catalyst for us as a family. And um, one of the ways that's kind of proved and one of the ways that's been playing out is we recently just started uh, youth small groups on a Thursday evening. I wish Sandra was in the room because she texted me after Thursday evening. I just said, how did it go? And she, she said that I am so excited by the conversations and the questions and the fact that young people are asking for prayer and are hungry to grow in the things of God. This is, this is happening right now in our family week by week. And, and it's just a wonderful privilege to get to be a part of it and to see it. That's just one thing that God is doing with our teenagers. And like I said, it's often with young people. It's not everyone all the time. Of course it isn't. But so often it's unseen and it's hidden. That's the reality of often working with teenagers. And you might look around and go, well, where are they? Well, a lot of them are out there this morning. But where are they? Well, they're out there and they're saying they're looking for a church family that wants to help them grow as followers of Jesus Christ. And that's our privilege and our joy to do it. And it's just, it's just an amazing opportunity that God has given. And we just get to, like, let's be faithful in prayer. As we gather tomorrow night, I don't know what else we're praying for. Could we pray for young people that we just kind of say, look, we just want this to be an environment where young people are growing as followers of Jesus Christ. And then secondly, um, about nine months ago, Deb Bristow and I started gathering kind of students and 20s, um, kind of college age students up to kind of end of 20, you know, 29, 30. And just really felt like you know, probably the most disconnected in lockdown. Probably lockdown had the biggest emotional and mental impact on them as a generation. And we just said, we want to, just want to connect, build family, build community, and grow as disciples. And we started off with three or four here and a meeting at the back of the room, and recently just been starting to gather sort of 15 or 20 of them, just saying, come on, let's just be connected into community. We just started a whole series together with them about what does it mean to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And it is a joy 
And it is a privilege to get to stand with these guys who are young in faith, have lots of questions, don't kind of know necessarily how life is going to pan out for them. But again, just to say, we want to help you be part of a family here. And we want to help you discover what it means to truly be a follower of Jesus Christ. And it is wonderful. And I'm energized and I'm excited, as you can tell, because we have many young people and many students and 20s in this family, and we want to make space for them to grow. There was a prophetic word that came in lockdown by Rodney Hagar, and he talked about God tending to a garden. And in the garden, he said, in this garden, there was a clearance work happening. There was some movement. There was some changes happening. And he said, in this garden, there is room to grow. And I want to say prophetically, over our young people and students and 20s in this church, there is room for you to grow in this family. And we want to make space for that, and we want to serve that, and we want to honour you. We love you guys. Whether you're in the room, whether you're listening, whether, you're, whether, you, whether you never hear this, we want to say there is space to grow in this community as those who love Jesus Christ. So, that's me, otherwise we're never going to finish this morning. So, Tanaka, why don't you come up? Um, let's welcome Tanaka as well. We've got to share a mic, it's okay. So many of you recognize Talaka, she got baptized a couple of weeks ago. And just as I was in the context of thinking about this, I just thought I'd love to ask Talaka a couple of questions, really just about her own journey and her own story of faith. Just, I guess, as this shoots of life that we've been talking about. So just pretend it's just you and I, ignore the rest of these people. <laughs> um, so when you got baptized, you said kind of during lockdown, God really got hold of you. And kind of, you said you kind of went from like faith of your mum to like faith for yourself. Like, do you just want to explain a bit more about what happened and what's, what that moment happened and how that's kind of translated into everyday life for you? Yeah. So my confidence in who I was grew and just becoming more committed to God and in my daily life, choosing him. So having that choice of, I guess, the old me and choosing God and just constantly choosing God, even at times when it's um, hard. And also my heart changed. My desire grew to really be involved in the church and serve and be a part of youth and really be with God's people. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> so, so what's one thing that you're kind of personally feeling excited about and encouraged by young people, by students, 20s, kind of in us, both in terms of as you've been serving youth, but also 20s as well? Yeah. So when I came back from uni, came back to church, I felt like I really didn't belong anywhere in church. I didn't really know where to go. So I'd come into service and sit with my mum. And then when the service is done, I would just go to the car straight away. So the students and 20s group started and it was just great to like get together, eat together, have fun together, talk about God together, pray together. And from that, I've built um, good friends where we journey alongside each other every single day and encourage one another and that's just been exciting to see that grow and I can't wait for like what God has got to, for us to do and be involved in the church and one more question what's kind of one thing that we as a church community can do to make space for young people young adults in the church to be encouraged and grow as disciples of Jesus okay um, so I think the main thing is building relationship. So, for example, when I came back from uni, um, Victoria got in contact with me and she said, I actually really want to journey alongside you with your walk with God. And we meet with each other. We go and walks. We speak about the Bible but um, and pray. But just we know about each other's lives and what's going on and being there for one another. And I think 
Um, I encourage everyone to kind of pray and see what young person that God has put on their heart to journey alongside with them and, yeah, walk, walk together, encourage each other. Brilliant. Amen. Thank you so much, Salaka. That's wonderful. Back to Colin. So exciting. Salaka, just when, I know I've said to you since, but I just want to say it publicly, when you, when you stood up the other week in Batson and you said, I'm following Jesus for myself. I sort of felt like in that moment you, you, you stated what God's doing with this generation. Because it's, there's an authenticity of life that this generation is, this, not my generation, sorry. Tanaka's generation, pretty much mine, 42 this week. Um, that there's an authenticity to life that is um, non-negotiable for this next generation. And just rocking up to church, as many of us do, and please, if it hurts when I say that, good, um, is not what this next generation is after. There's an authenticity to following Jesus. And Sandra, you just literally in those few minutes, you, you sorry, Tanaka, sorry. And Sandra, and, and the others, but Tanaka, in those few minutes, you've kind of encapsulated, I want to follow Jesus and I want to see what this means for my life and I'm going to go where God leads me. So well done you. And I, God is going ahead of us, by the way. This is a point. This isn't just, well, how do we solve the, the crisis of church? This is that God said, no, put the most, um, if you want to change direction, you've got to go with, where's the, where's the life-changing decision happening among us? And for most of us who are around my age or a bit older, life is pretty fixed, let's be honest. Change becomes harder and we become less flexible and less pliable. And so we're saying, let's let the younger people be invested in, be served, be released, step up and shape and call us on and to give space to grow as leaders that they will set the example and set the pace for us in what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. That's my passion for this next season for us. And so we're giving Al's time, a lot of his staff time um, is now helping serve into this area. Um, and so that's really exciting and it means that we're finding traction. And Deb, I just want to honour Deb, her investment into, into the guys who've been Deb, it's amazing. Um, at some point very soon, we'll, Deb, I'd love you to share your story of just what God's been doing in your life. Because I think, again, that sense of discipleship and walking with Jesus and him blessing you, but also you in that process being a blessing for many others is just stand out. And so we'll do that soon. Um, but Al's role is really serving into that. And actually, alongside that, we've, we've I used a phrase a moment ago that kind of encapsulates the, the shift in also, what does leadership in a family look like? And I think for a long time, for Nigel, Al and myself, we've kind of, as elders in the church, you know, those who carry uh, responsibility and authority to, to serve and to shepherd and oversee, we've, we've shaped ourselves in a way that it's been about what we do. So we do church, we make Sundays happen, we, we decide what it's like, we're, we're the ones that preach, we're the ones that do this, we, you know, it's that kind of doing dynamic. And again, another thing that through the pandemic I really feel God's been put, in fact, in fact this was before that, when Emma and I went, had a crisis moment about four, was it five years ago now, I don't know, just in life, it was a difficult, challenging time, and we had some time off, and we felt like God spoke to us really clearly about leadership should look like mothers and fathers in the church. That that's the shape of leadership. And we didn't really know, well, how do you do that? How do you just suddenly 
seek to do that. And that's a journey, and it doesn't just happen overnight, but there's something that God put on our heart for us as a family here. And a moment ago, Al talked about holding the ceiling up high for others, and there's something I really feel like God spoke to me about not long back um, at the Parliamentary Prayer Breakfast in Westminster. Um, there's a guy who was sharing there, and he talked about the role of leadership in the church is to, is to act like pillars in the room and to hold the ceiling up high for others to grow and to find life and space to be and follow Jesus and grow in gifting and grow in leadership and, um, and just have joy in. And that, that's the purpose of leadership. And I felt like God said to me, that's how I want it to be. That we see leadership in these days at Gateway is that leaders are not going around just going, right, it's going to be like this, and it's going to be like this, and we're doing this, everybody, and this is exactly how it is. But that our job is to hold up the ceiling for the body, for, for you, for this church family to exist in well. And of course, it, of course there's moments where decisions need to be made. That's part of it, absolutely. But that picture of with a heart of mothers and fathers, the, the leadership and gateway... Has, a, a, has that heart of mothers and fathers where it's to see your children grow up and be who God's called them to be in life. We carry that passion, don't we, as parents, innately. We want to see our children flourish in life, to be who God has called them to be. And what a joy it is to see kids growing up. So this year has been a season of change for us. Phoebe went to secondary school, Ollie's gone to new college and is now learning to drive, so that's his next stage of independence. Um, and Jude, we took him to uh, London for uni the day before the Queen's funeral, which was good fun. Um, not the Queen's funeral. Sorry, um, driving in London, and and so he's gone off. He's he's suddenly he's like, I'm never coming back to Sweden. Just to let you know, um, fine. And and he's done that thing of independence, but it's with this sense of, dude, it's all right. We're here. You just don't know. We need you. You need us still. But um, but our heart as mum and dad in that moment is, we're just cheering you on, dude. We just want you to thrive, to to use your gifts and skills and passions that God has given to you when. Life hits the, the rocks as it does in those moments. We're here for you. And we're going we're gonna to do what we can to serve you in those moments. And really that's our heart of leadership as we move forward. Is that it isn't about Nigel, Al and myself just making decisions as a church. But that we kind of say, you know, our heart is that we want to hold the ceiling high for the body, for you, for this family. To grow and to thrive in, in the days ahead. And you may say, wasn't that always a goal? And wasn't that always what should have been happening? Well, yes. And we could have done better. And one of the areas that we recognise that we've not done so well in is actually shepherding the body. We recognise that actually as elders in the church, shepherds, overseers in the church, we don't know everybody in the way that we should. Not that it's about us knowing everything about each person, but just kind of saying there's a relationship, a real sense of, ah, we know these shepherds in the body. And we are known by the shepherds in the body. That, that sense of relationship that is meaningful. And that's an area that we've been talking about and praying about and seeking God in. And say, God, we want to do this better in the days ahead. We want to do a better job of this. So what we've done over this last year is we've widened the leadership team out. We made a conscious decision to say we need more of us. It was great seeing Nick and Motti recently. Nick was one of the elders and then part of the team, but off they went to rainy Seattle. Um, and so the team shrunk for a season, but about a year ago, just over a year ago, we said we need to widen the team out. 
We need a broader leadership team. A team that reflects more of who we are as a people, intentionally. And so we invited uh, others to join us on the team. Um, and this isn't a team that's just about elders. This is a team of people with all kinds of different gifts and skills and talents and experience and perspective. So we invited uh, Ebenezer and Malika to be part of the team. Guys, why don't you stand up? Let's embarrass you for a moment. Come on. We run out of time, so you watch it quick. Um, and so these guys have been journeying with us over the last year. You can sit back down now, thanks. Um, and it's been a pleasure and a privilege just getting to know these guys at that sense of relationship. Um, Graham and Shirley, where are you guys over there? Is it Graham? And it's been again, Graham and Shirley have been part of the team for this last year. Um, Callum and Katie, they're not here. I think it was a hard night. Oh, where's Callum? Oh, he's on the floor. <laughs> he's nearly fallen asleep. That's um, so just having Callum and Katie, so Callum also is the ops manager, he's part of the staff team at Gateway, but just having these guys part of the team has been brilliant over this last year. Robert and Anita, where are you guys? Oh, at the back. Um, so Robert and Anita being part of the team for this last year, and also Kevin and Dawn, just... Can we do stand up? Um, Kevin and Dawn. Um, stand up, you guys. So Kevin and Dawn, uh, over the last number of months, we've been just talking, processing. You can sit down, Dawn, that's fine, you're allowed. Um, um, and just, they made the decision to say, actually, we, in this next season of life, we want to base ourselves um, back with Gateway, having been in Penn Hill for the last two, three years. Um, and just, that's been a, a thing that we've journeyed with together. That's a really positive thing, but just know that we need Kevin and Dawn and the gift that they are, and the provocation that they are, and their sense of giving, that whole thing I was talking about, just giving, and just the cost of that, these guys are exemplars of that, of just seeing Jesus in everyday, normal life, that is costly, and precious, and challenging, and hard work, and in some of the hardest parts of Swindon, just wanting to serve and see his kingdom come, and people's lives be blessed. As they serve, and just such a privilege to have these guys um, back around and wanting to say, "Come on, shape us! Don't let us get lazy and comfortable." Um, and so we've 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 been learning over this last year. We've spent a lot of time eating together and praying together. It's a large team, so every time we try and actually talk about something, it doesn't really work very well. But actually, we're kind of saying, "Do you know what? Eating and praying is a pretty good thing for leaders in a church to do together. Not get stuck on right how to make ourselves busy and how we're going to do this, but say we want to be praying." For this family and for the mission that Jesus has us on. So we've broadened out the leadership team. And as part of that, over this last year, we've also had the question um, of, or we've had the felt need as elders of we actually need more elders. We, we firmly believe we need more elders to serve this family effectively in light of what Jesus has called us to do, both here as a church and outside of Gateway, whether that's to Swindon, this nation, or the nations. And so part of the background question of this last year as we've journeyed with these couples um, has been with Ebenezer and Graham and Callum and Robert and these guys as couples, not just the guys on their own, but is to journey and ask the question of, is eldership something that God is calling you to? And so we've had, we've had lots of conversations, we've been praying about that as existing elders, we've been processing and praying and seeking God on that. And so we got to the point, we said, right, come September, we need to get on now and do something about this. Um, and so we got to the point where we said, right, is this something that seems good to us and the Holy Spirit? 
And so where we got to is that Ebenezer and Malika said, actually, we, we don't feel that this is something that God is calling us to. Um, and they were really clear about that and comfortable about that. And that's absolutely fine. That's the whole point of journeying and exploring together. The, the goal wasn't, and everybody must become an elder. The goal was, let's explore and see if this is something that God is doing. And so that's where it's at. They're still part of the team. Um, that doesn't change, but that's just around the question of eldership. With Graham and Shirley, we're still processing. We're still working out that question. It's not, although I'm saying, come on, let's get on and do something. It's not a time, it's not, you know, a timestamp thing where it goes, right, by this date, we must have everybody's final answers. So we're still processing that question of, is eldership something uh, that God is calling Graham to for this family in particular? And again, that's a good place to land. Um, just feel a real peace with that, real sense of, yeah, let's keep journeying, keep exploring God. Then for both Callum and Katie and Robert and Anita, these guys have said, actually, we do believe that this is something that God is calling us to. That we feel a sense of peace and excitement about serving this family in this role in the days ahead. And so I have the privilege of, and oh, by the way, sorry, and so too do we as a team, existing elders. We sense that too, that actually, yes, this is something God is doing, um, and we want to, therefore, in light of that, put these guys' names forward to become elders in Gateway, that we're looking to appoint them as elders of this family in the days ahead. In fact, on December the 4th, we put a date in the diary even, um, to say we want to appoint more elders in Gateway. That's good for us. That's good for our health as a family. That's good for the, the mission that God has for us to both make disciples, to train and equip disciples, but also to serve beyond Gateway in the days ahead. And we just feel such a sense of, yeah, this is something, uh, a peace and a joy in God to say, let's do this. Let's appoint new elders in Gateway in this next season. It's been a long time since we uh, last appointed an elder, that was our seven years ago, um, so it's about time. And this isn't just to have more people making more decisions. This is more shepherds, more pillars in the church saying, come on, we want to give space, we want to create space for others to grow and thrive in. So just quickly, I'm aware of the time. Um, we will not be long till we finish. So the plan is that we will uh, lay hands on these guys and appoint them as elders, and we're going to pray for them as couples and families. Um, on December the 4th. That would be a, a fun morning of just celebrating together as a family. What a privilege um, to do that together. Um, but just for a minute, I want to talk just briefly about each of these couples, just because some of you won't know them. Um, and then I want to just share briefly of how do we do this process. Oh dear, does that have to go up? <laughs> Two minutes. Two minutes. Okay. So, Robert and Anita. Um, Robert and Anita, if you don't know Robert and Anita, these guys are just so much fun. Um, and they just have a passion for this church family. Such a deep passion. And such a love for this church family. And, and one, of the, one of the things I love about Robert and Anita is, um, I remember Mark Owen is one of the trustees. Mark, stand up really quickly. So Mark is one of the trustees. Well, he's there. And Mark's one of the trustees. And we were having a coffee a number of probably a year ago now, and Mark said to me, if I'm being honest, it doesn't feel that fun at times as a family. It doesn't feel like we have a lot of fun, and, and I think we should have more fun. Well, Robert's your man. Um, 
And so, no, but I just love being around Robert and Anita. And when we're together, we just laugh and have fun. And I, my heart is, that is, that's a good, that's, here we go. Um, and that is a good family dynamic. That actually, it's not about, right, let's have more people to try and make this happen. But actually, we have joy together. And these guys have become such good close friends over this last year. And what I love is I love Robert's heart for the church, for you guys. He carries you deeply um, in his heart. Their commitment to Gateway, they, they said right from the beginning, whether, we, whether it's elders or not, we want to serve Gateway. Whether it's about becoming an elder or not, we just want to love this body and serve this body. But I recognize that Robert has an incredible gift of discernment in God. Every time I talk to Robert... You talk about situations, things that are going on, and just the whisper of the spirit of this is where it's at. This is cut through all the cut through all the noise, all the conversation. Just a, a sense of this is where it's at. This is what Jesus is doing. This is what's important. This is the issue, and it's just so helpful, so encouraging. And these guys, as part of the team, just bring joy and encouragement into the team. Um, and so, really. Looking forward to the days ahead as we put hands on Robert and say, come on, now shepherd the flock among you. And likewise, Callum and Katie. So Callum and Katie, we've known these guys since they were tiny. Um, he's only 10 years younger than me, Callum. Don't try and pretend you're really young. Um, and just have known Callum and Katie for a very long time. Um, and grown up and seen these guys grow and grow in life and in marriage and as parents and in their love for the church and uh, I don't know it was probably about a year ago maybe not quite that long back and just said to Callum if you could go anywhere and Katie if you guys could go anywhere and do anything um because Callum as I said earlier part of the staff team of the church like what would it be that you'd want to do and both of them said we're committed here we don't want to go anywhere we're committed to this family we love this family this is where we want to live and serve and and, and give ourselves to seeing this family flourish and become disciples of Jesus. And I, I'm so thankful to God. These, these couple are so multi-talented and multi-gifted. And Katie's um, passion for kids and serving our children in the church is just brilliant. Um, we're going to speed this up. And, and Callum's teaching gift is a quicking gift. And I'm trying to do this with music in the background. Um, it's, it's, it's just so brilliant having the mix of the team and his passion for what we've been talking about really, this, this call on the church to make disciples. Callum carries that really deeply. I mean, I, I think we all do, but I know that it's something that Callum really carries and thinks through and is something that's a passion of his. And just, again, having these guys, we've just got good friendship and it's just a privilege to be able to say, as friends, come on, let's, let's love this church together. Let's love this family together. And so, it's so, we'll talk more about them on the day we do it, but that's really exciting. Um, and honestly, I've loved this last year of journeying together with, these, with the wider team and just building relationships and working together. As we close, I recognise we haven't done this for a long time. We haven't appointed an elder, and many of you weren't in Gateway when we did this before. Um, so you won't know how we do this. So just in 30 seconds, I want to give you the outline of how we go about doing these things. So what we don't do is vote. Many churches in this instance say, and on this day we're going to take up a vote whether we think Callum should become an elder, and whether we think Robert should become an elder, and you can tick a box, yes or no. Well, we don't do that. Don't believe that's the way we should do it. 
wasn't expecting to clap this, but whatever. I, I agree, I don't think we should clap that. No, um, we don't have time to clap it. Stop the comments, just talk. Um, <laughs> so we don't do voting. And what we don't also do is say, as elders, right, we're doing this and we don't care what anybody thinks, we're making the decision and this is happening whether people like it or not. That doesn't seem very wise either. So what we do is we simply do this. We want to say to you, this is on our heart as elders that we've processed with these guys, we've prayed, we've sought God, and we believe that it's right to, to appoint these guys, Callum and Robert, as elders in Gateway Church. And we would love to ask you, as a church family, to be praying, to be thinking about it, to reflect on this, and to have the freedom to come and talk to us and share good news. Like, I think this is great. By the way, that's a good, helpful thing to hear. If you think it's a good idea, I would love to hear that. But even more importantly than me, go and tell these guys. Say, I'm so excited to hear this news. And wives, by the way, let them know that, okay? You know when you have these moments of sharing information and don't hear anything, it's a horrible place to be. So encourage these guys. But be praying about it. Say, God, I know that the elders have been thinking about this and that the team have together, but as a family, we want to know together this is good for us. And so we're going to have a season of time um, where we just say, the next, the next four weeks or so, where we just say, look, be praying as a church. Get before God. Ask him for faith for this. And if you've got questions, have a freedom in that time to come and ask us, myself, Al, or Nigel. Um, don't pepper Robert and Callum with questions, that's not fair. But come and ask us. Um, if you have concerns, by all means, you're welcome to come and talk those through with us. But how I hope it works is like a family. And so my quick illustration is this, that over the last year, Emma and I, about a year, this time a year ago, we felt that we want to push the go button on being trained as foster carers. And so we spent the last nine months, or the previous nine months, journeying, doing the training, all the assessments for that. And we felt that was right for us as a family. So as mum and dad, we made the decision that for Phoebe and Ollie and Jude, that this is a good thing for us in this next season of life. But we didn't just say we don't care what the kids think. We, we took time to sit with them and talk with them. And we've been journeying with them for a whole long number of years about this anyway. And we got to the point where in the assessment um, and through the training that there were points that Addie, our social worker, she said, I want to talk to the kids about how they really feel about this without you in the room. And there were points where we talked together as a family. And there were points where Jude and Molly and Phoebe didn't do a lot of the training that Emma and I did. There were things that they weren't involved with, aspects they weren't involved with. But as it came to the crunch point of, are we going to do this or not? Addie said, I want to have you all around the table as a family, and I want to simply ask the question of, do you as a family have faith to put yourselves forward to be a fostering family? And so she did that exercise. She got us all around the table on her last visit. Um, and she said, look, this is my question to you. Do you as a family, I've spoken to you all, you've done training, all of these bits and pieces, I've had lots of time to talk. She said, I want, I want to hear it from you this morning. Do you as a family have faith to put yourself forward as a foster, foster, as a foster family? And the kids and Emma and I all said, yes, we do. And she goes, good, I've got to do it then. And I really believe that's the model of leadership and decision making in the church, that as a family, we have the opportunity to think these things through, to talk about it, to pray about it, and that come December the 4th, we as a family will be saying, yes, we are excited to be laying hands on Callum and on Robert uh, for eldership along with their wives, singular, um, 
to, to appoint these guys as elders within this family. And that there's something that we as a church are carrying in that together. And I recognize that most of you haven't been involved in any of that conversation whatsoever, but my heart would be that you trust us as shepherds, as elders of this family, to say, we trust that you've been praying, doing this journey with integrity, um, taking time to really uh, get before God and find out if this is right. And we have. And so my, my heart to you is please trust us as elders in this, but absolutely be praying and talking to us over this coming month. December the 4th, we're going to appoint two new elders. I believe that in faith. Um, and that will be a joy for us. And I really believe that isn't, it's not about leadership, but it is about saying, God, you've called us to something great, and we want to do all we can to press into that, to raise and make disciples that are faithful to you, to be a family that loves one another and is committed to one another, and to be a family that says there are people in desperate need beyond Gateway that we have to give ourselves to. So, good news. Um, can I just ask that the, the guys that I mentioned earlier, it's, again, it's not about leadership, but these guys have stepped forward in a, you know what, it's been a challenging season, say, we want to do all we can just to serve this family. And I just love us to honour these guys. I know there's many people serving in many different capacities, um, hidden, and I know that many people are doing jobs of serving God's kingdom in all kinds of different ways, uh, right across this town. Many people are walking faithfully with Jesus and his family, but I just love us to honour these guys for making themselves vulnerable and saying we're going to do this journey. So, come on, let's just honour these guys and thank you all. Um, I believe it's right that we honour one another in that way. And that's a good thing. So, I'm finished. We're done. Um, but please do use this next month to come and talk to myself. Email, phone. I will make myself available along with Nigel and Al to, if you want to talk about this. Um, but do go to Robert and Callum and Katie and Anita in particular and encourage these guys. Be praying for these families over these next months. Really get before God to say, God, I'm just praying for them. I'm praying for their joy and their success in this moment. Other than that, have a great week. Um, put your hands up in the air. I'm going to bless you as a church. Father, I want to bless my brothers and sisters this morning in your name. And I pray, may your spirit fall upon us. Even as we just prayed with and for Andrew and Alison earlier, we recognise there's many different stories happening across this room right now. Many different circumstances. Many different needs. Lord, we don't want to be busy just saying, this isn't about leadership. Lord, we want to love one another as you have loved us. We want to give ourselves to one another. So we say, may your spirit fall afresh upon us in this moment. That we would meet the needs of one another from the riches that you've given to us. That we may call one another on more and more in the days ahead to run in step with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit as disciples of Jesus, faithful in the place that you've placed each one of us, that your kingdom may come, that just as Catherine said earlier, I got to share and their joy on their face, Lord, that we would have the joy of talking and sharing the good news of Christ the King and his kingdom into this broken and hurting world in days and weeks to come, that we would live as men and women faithful in your kingdom, intentional about following you, Jesus, walking as you did and doing what you did in a dying and hurting world, that many would see you and believe in you for salvation. So we bless all we want to do in these days ahead, Lord Jesus, and I pray your blessing on Gateway, this family this morning. May your spirit fall. 
May our love for you abound in these days. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Um, remember, adopt a, adopt a teenager, Mr. Um, Narcus. Um, no, but seriously, be praying about young people in the church. I've got to give you a passion for somebody that you can commit to. Just a reminder, tomorrow evening is the prayer meeting. Um, and we'd also love to pray for Wooten Bassett. There's some exciting things happening with the churches in Bassett and an Alpha course happening in the new year. So please turn up if you are able to be around and available for that. Thanks.